Um, you'll have to forgive me. I forgot to give Lynn our Bible verses today. Um, our primary one is going to be Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14. Um, so if you brought your Bibles with you today, I'd ask you to prepare them to, to open there. But let's first open in a word of prayer before we get started. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you, God, for allowing us to come here. God, I pray that you would open up our ears, open up our hearts to receive your word. Um, Father, give me the words to speak now, uh, that I can speak your word with confidence, speak your word as you have desired it to be shared this morning. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Also, going to borrow the stand. Unlike my dad, I'm not super great at just like winging it all the time. I actually need to write some things out here and there. But, all right, let's get started. Last Sunday was a really tough day. Uh, my dad had been checked into the Blue Ridge Hospital before that. Uh, we knew for a long time that he had COVID. Uh, we knew that he was struggling with it. Uh, and by that time, we knew that he wasn't getting better on his own. Uh, we knew that he was going to need help. Uh, we knew that he was going to need a lot of care, a lot of prayer, uh, and blessing of God to, to get over it. Um, last Sunday, um, I got a call from my mom, um, with the news that my dad, uh, who had only just recently checked into the hospital of Lourdes, uh, needed to be transferred to another hospital. Um, he wasn't improving, um, Lourdes, for all they try, um, are not equipped to to handle what was, what was going on there. Um, I could tell over the phone that my mom was really struggling. Um, and I could immediately feel my stomach drop and my heart start racing. Because um, I could hear her, I could hear her crying over the phone. Um, I've heard my mom cry maybe two times in my life. One of the times was because I was a brat that day. <laughs> I've heard her cry twice in my, my entire life that I can remember. Um, she, she called me up. She was crying. Um, she asked me to, to come over, pick up a bag to take to the hospital, uh, pull my dad's things uh, that he would need wherever he's going to end up being transferred. We didn't even know at that point. Um, but by this time, my mom also had COVID and was, was even struggling to talk, um, was, was coughing, was um, very emotional. So our, our phone call was short. Um, I didn't get any details. I wasn't sure what was going on. Uh, I didn't know if he was in critical life-threatening condition. Um, or if he was just, you know, doing okay, but needed to go somewhere else. Um, so I dropped everything that I was doing, 
Um, Victoria's family was over that day um, to check out our, our Christmas decorations and eat a meal with us. We were just about to sit down for supper. Um, I, I dropped everything. Victoria came with me. We we jumped in the car and we, we drove as fast as we could to, to the parsonage. Um, and I met my mom there. And got the got the back from her and she was she was a mess. She was trying to call my sister who was who was working at the time over at St. Luke's. Um, she was crying, and I could feel it beginning in my myself to where I wanted to cry. Um, it was it was a it was a rough night. Um, I was about as far from at peace as you could ever possibly be. Um, my entire heart felt like it was in turmoil, like it was doing somersaults. I couldn't hardly think about anything other than my dad. And then seeing my mom as emotional as she was and struggling as she was, was just another weight on my heart. Um, another confirmation almost to me that that something was wrong, that something was, was not right and I needed to hurry. Um, and that, that peace continued to elude me as we were driving into town. Um, Victoria, bless her heart, kept trying to distract me and turn my things to other things and throw my mind to other things and help me to focus on other things and help me to talk through it. Uh, I couldn't get my mind off that thing. There's one thought that kept going back to my head, as rational as it may have been, the thought that I might be losing my dad. And I knew in my head that I didn't have all the facts, that I wasn't I was probably overreacting like crazy, that I was probably going to show up at the hospital and he's going to be fine walking around, you know, trying to do stuff and getting yelled at by doctors for trying to do stuff. Um, but that, that single thought kept bouncing around in my head over and over and over, no matter what else I tried to think about, no matter what else I tried to dwell on. Um, and then as we're, as we're finally getting close to Blue Earth after a, like the longest drive of my entire life, a conversation that I had with my dad um, repeatedly actually over the past months um, came into my mind. Um, we've been, every Tuesday morning we meet here to, to talk about the ministry, talk about how things are going for us and to kind of plan for the future. And that morning, um, we were talking about COVID specifically and how it was affecting people's lives and how it was affecting people's um, view of the world, their view of their salvation, their view of church and life and how they should be living. And I couldn't remember what my dad said to prompt my response. Um, but my response was something like, you know, this, this attitude of, of desperation, of fear, of paranoia that we're seeing, I think it's because people are beginning to lose sight of the fact that this world is not our home. This world is not our permanent home. This world is just a passing thing. We're here for a time, and only a time. It is finite. It ends. Our focus needs to be on our Savior and on our eternity, not clinging on to this life not fighting tooth and nail to keep this life here and 
focusing only on that fight and focusing on nothing else. That confirmation came to mind in people I've only heard the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, maybe as many times as I've seen my mom cry. Maybe once or twice in my entire life. I heard that, that still small voice in my head once was when I met my wife. The first time. Ask me about that later. Um, <laughs> the other time, I was sitting in the car, driving to see my dad. He had asked me, did you really mean what you said? Are you willing to live that out? People of God, I have never had a pair of questions cut that deeply. Yeah, my life that strong before. <clears throat> I felt convicted. I've seen a lot of people go into the hospital, contract and go with COVID, and my response has always been one of, that's fine, it's just like the common cold kind of thing. In a lot of ways, statistically, yeah, it is. But at the same time, there are people that are at risk. And now I was confronted with the fact that my dad is one of them. So I felt convicted. I felt really called out. I was kind of pissed at the Holy Spirit, let me tell you what. <laughs> but those questions came out of the blue, and I was confronted with the fact that I had been preaching to myself and to others that our focus, we're allowing our focus throughout this time to be drawn away from Jesus. We're allowing our focus to be drawn to things of this world. We're allowing our focus to dwell on the suffering that's here. We're allowing our focus to dwell on the pain that's here. Where is it? Where does our focus lie? The Bible says it should be with our Savior. The world right now is telling us day after day after day, our focus should be on this illness. Our focus should be on avoiding death. Our focus should be on living and surviving and staying safe and staying comfortable. Is our focus born out of a desire to spend eternity at the feet of our Savior? Or does our desire come from a place of wanting to live here forever, to continue this existence forever, to find immortality here? We're called to eternity. We're called to a salvation that comes from our Savior, and we are called to fix our eyes on him. And let me tell you what, while I was in that car, my eyes were on this world. My eyes were on my dad. They were not on my Savior. And that was so wrong. The book of Hebrews um, spends a really long time talking about who Jesus is in the context of Hebrew people. Um, it spends a lot of time differentiating Jesus from the angels. So it's a lot of time differentiating Jesus from the prophets who came before. Um, but towards the end of the book, it reminds the Hebrews that it was written to that we are to live our lives 
as sacrifices that are pleasing to God because Jesus is above all of these things. He is above just a prophet. He is above just an angel. He is our Savior. He is God. Not, and we're to live our lives as sacrifices not just because Jesus is worthy of those praises, which, yeah, he definitely is, but because of what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, um, starting actually in verse 8, uh, reading through, uh, through verse 14. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Starts off pretty straightforward, right? That's a concept we're all familiar with. Jesus Christ is the same. He's been here forever. He has always existed. It's a really, when you think about it, it's a really difficult concept for us to wrap our minds around because we ourselves have a beginning and we're going to have an end. We are finite beings. This is something that we have heard time and time again. We have come to understand is something that is beautiful and wonderful about our Savior. So pretty straightforward. Verse 9 says, Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. What is a strange or diverse teaching? In this context, a strange or diverse teaching is a teaching that comes from outside of God. It comes from outside his word that he has given to us in this book, in this Bible. The strange and diverse teachings that we're hearing today are teachings that say, this life is it. This is all we get. We die, and it's over, and we fade back to nothingness. A strange diverse teaching is any teaching that comes from outside of God. That is what they're talking about here. Is a teaching based in sin? Is a teaching based in evil? Is a teaching that is outside of everything that is good and holy? Because God is everything that is good and holy. If there's anything that is outside of him, it's wrong and it's evil. There's no black and white. It's wrong and it's evil. The thoughts I was having in that car were wrong they were evil. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent or the tabernacle, as other translations say, have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. We here today don't spend a lot of time thinking about this particular but to the Hebrews, this is going to mean a lot of different things. Their context allows them to understand in ways that we just can't. This book is comparing the sacrifices that were sacrificed outside of that holy place, outside of that place of worship, of divine perfection. It is comparing those sacrifices to Jesus. Verse 12 says, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Jesus was treated as a sacrifice. He was treated as one of those common animals that were sacrificed outside of these perfect holy places where we live, where we exist 
daily. We are outside of God's glory. We are outside of his grace. We are outside of his holiness here in this life. That is where we exist. We have bodies of flesh. We have bodies that are sinful. The Bible describes our flesh as depraved, as sinful, as broken, because this is where we live. We live in a sinful, material world. Jesus was sacrificed outside of that gate, outside of that holiness, so that he could, re- he could relate to us, so that his blood would be brought in and open the door for us. Verse 13, Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. We're called to live outside of that holiness for a time. We are called to live in this world of sin, in this physical, material world. That is what we are called to do. To the Hebrews, this is a pretty new concept. Um, They've spent their lives thinking we need to live lives inside of the holiness. We need to live lives that are perfect and holy so that we can eventually go be at home with God. This is telling them, and it's telling us, we are called to live outside of the camp. We are called to live in this world of pain and sin. But, like verse 14 says, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. We are called to live here, but we are not called to focus here. We are not called to keep all of our attention on this place as we are living here. We are called to look forward We are called to look at heaven. We are called to look at eternity with our Savior. That is what we're called to do. We're called to be a light in the darkness. That is what this passage is talking about. We are called to show the people around us what Jesus went through. We are are called to emulate his life, share in his suffering, share in his pain, share in his death. And through our holy lives, through the lives that radiate that love, that radiate that gospel truth, That is how we reach others. We are not called to focus here. We are not called to dwell in this life, to cling to it, because our eternity does not dwell here. Our eternity dwells with our Savior. This world is defined by its impermanence. It is defined by its sin. It is defined by its suffering. It's defined by its death. It ends. It stops. It rusts, it fades, it falls away. We are beings that are guaranteed an eternal existence. That existence can be one of pain and suffering or one of glory and everlasting life, but it is an eternal existence nonetheless. But we cling to this temporary existence with every scrap of strength and knowledge and wisdom that we possess because this is all we know. And people of God, we don't want to accept the peace and the love and the strength that God gives us through Jesus. And we cling to that fear of the unknown because this is all we know. And what if, what if those doubts continue to assail us and continue to hold us down? People of God, God knew we'd have doubts. God knows that you and I, even as I'm sitting here, standing here, and you guys are sitting there, we have doubts in our mind. That's okay. Use that doubt. Understand that we are eternal. Know that we're eternal. Use that doubt. Question. Dig deep. Look into the Bible. 
look into the passage I'm talking about. See if I'm wrong. If I am, please come talk to me. Because that's not good. Maybe preach on a Sunday morning then. Come to me. Talk to me. Talk to Jesus. Dig in deep. Because we are eternal beings. And yes, we have doubts. Yes, we, we struggle with this stuff. But we are eternal. And through the struggle that doubt brings, our faith becomes stronger. Our walk with Jesus becomes deeper. And we can stop focusing on this world. We can stop dwelling on this world. And we can simply live here and focus on heaven. Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 5 uh, says this about our eternity that has been granted to us by Jesus. And this is going to be after Jesus comes back and everything is made new and everything is made perfect. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. I don't know about you guys, but that sounds amazing to me. No longer will there be anything accursed. You guys understand what that means? You guys realize the depth of what that is saying? Every moment of pain, every moment of sorrow, every moment of suffering, every moment of sickness won't exist there anymore. People of God, we won't have to worry about COVID. Probably barely even remember it. We're going to be so busy worshiping Jesus. We won't have to worry about cancer, heart disease, falling off a building, however you think about death coming. None of that is going to be there anymore. This is beautiful, and this is what God desires for us. He longs for us to have this, to be a part of this. People keep asking why during times like these throughout history. Why is God allowing this to happen? Why does God allow the suffering to take place? I put forward to you today, I think one of those reasons is that it's impermanent. And the stuff that is to come is going to put this stuff to shame. The most beautiful sunrise you've ever seen. Yeah. Your two-year-old could do better in heaven. The most amazing landscape of mountains and trees and forests and lakes. It's going to look like a puddle. A this life is painful and it can be horrible in the moment. And yes, it can influence lives for the worse. We see that every single day. We see people letting that pain, letting that sin drive them and guide them and tear them away from God. But in the end, it, it can't keep a hold on us. It cannot continue to affect us when Jesus takes us back. For those of us that have 
found our hope in Jesus Christ, that have accepted him as our Savior and our Lord, the end results, <laughs> that's going to be an eternity of love and perfection with God. We're coming to the time of Christmas. Jesus, he wasn't born into this world of sin and pain and suffering to live a human life where he could experience pain and he could experience suffering. He wasn't born into this world so that he could save this world. He was born into this world so that he could save our souls, that he could grant us the key to enter eternity with him. The key to enter eternity wrapped in his arms, not separated from him like regular life, life without Jesus, commands that we experience. People of God, he came here to redeem our eternity. He didn't come here to redeem this life. Now, I'm not asking you to, to stop caring and to stop praying for people in the hospital and to stop showing love to people around you because you're just thinking, well, I mean, eventually I'm going to die and then I'm going to go to heaven. It's going to be all perfect anyway. So who cares about this life? No, God calls us to care about this life. God calls us to be that light in the darkness and show love and show grace and show peace to those around us who are not experiencing that. That is why we're here. That is what God has called us to. He has called us to be that light in the darkness. He has called us to, to spread his love, people. But always when we spread that love, we are to keep our eyes fixed on him. Because that is where our love comes from. That is where our light comes from. That is where the hope that we find comes from. When I was driving to Blue Earth last Sunday with my wife sitting next to me holding my hand, I was dwelling on whether or not I, whether or not I might lose my dad. My focus was on this world. My thoughts were selfish. I was only thinking of myself, and I was only thinking of what this life would be like if my dad wasn't here. I was feeling that grief, a natural, beautiful gift that God has given to us that is connected to love and joy in profound and complex ways. I was hoarding it. I was clutching to that grief, and I was corrupting it by focusing on this world. I was only viewing loss of my dad through worldly eyes, through worldly thoughts. In that moment to me, death was the end. There was nothing after that. I could not picture in my head, if you would ask me and describe it in perfect detail, what heaven would look like and what meeting my father in heaven, both my earthly father and my heavenly father would look like. I couldn't do it because my thoughts were of this world instead of an eternity where God will sweep us into his perfect embrace and we will be reunited with the saints that have gone before. I was so wrong, people of God, to think like that. We are so wrong to think like that on a daily basis and to picture only that and to grieve only that way, and to only picture death as the end. 
Death is the end of this body. And let me tell you what, I'm already starting to kind of look forward to it. I got some aches and pains, folks. <laughs> I'm really tall. I already got back problems. I already got knee problems. My shoulder's messed up. I get headaches every day. Probably because I drink too much coffee, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> I am so looking forward to spending eternity with my Savior and meeting those that have gone before me in heaven, in perfection. Oh God, I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. Oh God, where is our focus resting? Is resting here? When moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal? Is our focus on our one true eternal home that is literally at this moment being tailor-made for us. Each and every one of us has a room in that house that's going to be perfect for each and every one of us. We're going to spend eternity living at the feet of our Savior. I pray and I desperately hope that our focus remains on Jesus even through these times of suffering, even when you can't go anywhere without wearing a mask and people are terrified to shake your hand and say hello and people don't want to be so close to you. People don't want to be within six feet of you because it's dangerous. I can't wait to give everybody a hug in heaven. I miss that so much. I desperately hope that our focus remains on Jesus, on the eternity he brings. Is it focused on anything else? People of God, it is foolish. It is stupid. It's dumb. We can go through this life and we can experience the things of this world and praise God for them. How do we keep our focus on Jesus? We can revel in his creation. We can talk with your neighbor, and your focus can be on Jesus. The Bible commands us to pray continually and without ceasing, to live our lives as a prayer to God. That is what is desired of us. That is what should be our focus. That should be our joy, that we can live a life like this, that we can focus entirely on our Savior and be able to go through life focused on him and see him in everything. That's what happens when you focus on Jesus. You see him in everything and in everyone, and you want to pour out the love that you feel for Jesus on everything and everyone, because that's what you see. When you see Jesus, you see love. That's what it means to focus on Jesus, because at the end of that race, and it's a race, it takes endurance, it takes strength, it takes dedication. At the end of that race, we get to go be with our Savior, be with the ones that we have lost in heaven. That is the end goal, and that is what we should be fixing our eyes on. When you're running a race, you don't stare at your feet. You look at the finish line. You look where you're going so you can have a hope of where you're going. So you don't become fixated on the here and now and the pain that you're experiencing, the exhaustion you're feeling, you look at the end of that race and you feel hope. 
That is what God is asking of us. We have a, spe- a place specifically designed for us in heaven, crafted by the loving hands of our Father. So why do we let any sickness, suffering, or any pain draw our focus away from the eternity that awaits us? Trust in Him. Fix your eyes on Him. Dwell on Him daily. The pain and the suffering we experience in this world will always pale in comparison to the glory, peace, and the love that is to come. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you for your promises that you have made time and time again throughout the Bible, and you have followed through on each and every one, even the ones that were painful to you. God, you have promised us now that at the end of this race, we will spend it worshiping you at your feet. We will see you face to face. Death and suffering and pain will be no more. They will be done. They will be gone. They will be defeated. God, we cannot wait. God, help us to fix our eyes on you, to focus on you every single day. Cast all our cares upon you, God. And let the worries and the suffering of this world fall away. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you would all stand with me, we're going to sing our closing hymn, uh, number 190 Angels from the Realms of Glory.